God becomes flesh and lives among humanity. Not just to have a transaction with people and ultimately die, but to continue to be with them and to send His Holy Spirit to be present with believers. So, God calls His Spirit indwelled people to something greater, something more significant. They are here as redeeming forces on this earth. Their time here is about reclaiming the things He has created. Believing God has created the entire cosmos and that it is restored in Jesus. The believer's work here through the Spirit is to say, this belongs to God, and to help point out the beauty of creation to everyone, and most of all to live in it themselves by the power of the Holy Spirit who plants the teachings of the Lord in their hearts. Well, hello everyone, I'm Neil Parks, and welcome to Fill the Lamp. We are in what I think is maybe the most exciting study I've ever been encountered with, the Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, if you will. Last time we looked at the divine kiss that the Shulamite bride was seeking. We talked about Solomon's request from God. In Solomon's early years as king of Israel, God visited him in a dream to test him in Second Chronicles 1, 7 through 12. <clears throat> the Lord allowed him to make one supreme request or to ask God for anything. He asked for supernatural impartation of wisdom and knowledge to serve him, God, better. Did you get that? To serve him better. Wow. Big message here, folks. You see, in the Gospels, Matthew 21, 22, Mark 11, 23, and John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus explains that if we abide in him and he abides in us, as in bearing fruit through us, that we can ask him according to his will. According to his will, the scripture saying anything just as Solomon did. But, get this, apart from him, Jesus, we can do nothing. I like the way Mike Bickle shares it as a threefold explanation of the cries for the kiss of God's word. First part of that threefold is the great prophetic cry for the kiss that expresses where the Spirit is leading the church in these last days. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will restore the first commandment into first place 
before Jesus returns. You see, God promised Moses that in the end times, prophetically, the Lord your God will circumcise the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And that was prophesied in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, <clears throat> In verse 17 of Revelation 22, the Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, believers say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take and drink the water of life without cost. Wow. Well, the second part of that threefold is the great righteous cry of the human spirit. So we had the prophetic prophetic spirit, and now we have the human spirit that answers why we exist in time and eternity. The ultimate purpose and meaning of our life is to experience intimacy with God. The absolute definition of accomplishment is to be a wholehearted lover of God. When we know that we are loved by God and desire to be a wholehearted lover of God, then we are truly satisfied. The third part of that threefold, this is the great cry from within our hearts that answers how our heart functions. It answers the mystery of how our heart experiences true happiness and is satisfied. God designed us so that experiencing His love is the most pleasurable reality available to the human makeup. We are created to love God with all our heart. When we do not love God with a passionate heart, then our emotional life is out of balance. You see, life does not work without pursuing this. We were created in such a way that we cannot live in wholeness without the pursuit of being wholehearted for God. If we have nothing to die for, oh, then we have nothing to live for. Many in the body of Christ are suffering from spiritual boredom and complacency because they are not passionate in their pursuit to love God. Look what Genesis 1.26 says. Then God said, Let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there they are, Let us make man in our image according to our 
likeness. You see, my friends, the Lord has and is putting the finishing touches on the bride that he is returning for. We are image bearers, yes. He has knitted us together in these clay bodies, but we are first always in spirit, created as spirit beings. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness in his image. Look how Paul says it in Ephesians 5.27. Paul says he has given himself so that he can present the church, that's us, as his radiant bride, unstained, unwrinkled, and unblemished, completely free from all impurity, holy and innocent before him. Well, let me put it this way. The kisses of God are the cleansing formula, if you will, or the word that wipes away stains, irons out wrinkles, and forgives the marks of rebellion as if it never happened. So the Song of Solomon is the blueprint that the Beloved has given to his image bearers to follow so as to understand that he is pursuing his bride and will never quit pursuing her. Unfortunately, only a few will accept his kiss as the only way to everlasting life. Look in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 23-24. Jesus journeyed on through cities and villages, teaching and making his way towards Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved from the penalties of the last judgment? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. Force aside unbelief in the attention of sins and attractions. For many, I tell you, will try to enter by their own works and will not be able. The Song of Song in chapter 1, verse 2. Listen to this. In the, I like what the New English Translations puts it. Oh, how I wish you would kiss me passionately, for your lovemaking is more delightful than wine. Look in verse 3, what it says, the fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. My listeners, I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life when that something comes along and comes over me that I have to have that something. There is no doubt about it, and I can't get it out of my mind. Have you ever been there? I've been there many times. 
The Song of Song in chapter 1, verse 3, is saying, Because of the Savior of thy good ointment, the, the agreeableness and the acceptableness of thy graces and comforts to all that rightly understand both them and themselves, thy name is anointed, poured forth, thou art so. And all that whereby you have made yourself known, your very name is precious to all the saints. It is an anointment, a perfume, which rejoice the heart. The revealing of Christ, his name, is as the opening of a box of precious anointment, which the room is filled with the odor of it. That was Matthew Henry's commentary on the Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 3. Look how Paul puts it in Second Corinthians 2.14. He says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him. The aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. The Spirit was the oil of gladness, whereas Christ was anointed, Hebrews 1.9, and all true believers have that unction. Look what 1 John says in chapter 2.27. As for you, the anointing, this special gift, the preparation which you received from him remains permanently in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as his anointing has taught you you must remain in him, being rooted in him, knitted to him. Folks, the Song of Solomon is about a wedding in the making. And I find it so interesting that the first big convincing moment in Jesus' ministry takes place at a wedding. With a wedding as the setting of Jesus' first sign, John shows how Jesus' ministry isn't limited to just spiritual things, but it is his blessing for all of life. John chapter 2, verse 1. Three days later, when they all met to celebrate a wedding feast in Cana, of Galilee, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was invited, together with him and his disciples. While they were celebrating, the wine ran out, and Jesus' mother hurried over to her son. Mary said, The host stands on the brink of embarrassment. There are many guests, and there is no more wine. This is the same child that we're about to celebrate his birth here at Christmas. Jesus says in verse 4, Dear woman, 
Is it our problem? They miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests. My time has not arrived. But she turned to the servants, just like a mother. Do whatever my son tells you to do. In that area were six massive stones, water pots, stone water pots that could each hold 20 to 30, get this, gallons. They were typically used for Jewish purification rites. Jesus' instructions were very clear. Fill each water pot with water until it's ready to spill over the top. Then fill a cup and deliver it to the head waiter. (laughs) They did exactly as they were instructed. Verse 9 says, After tasting the water that had become wine, the head waiter couldn't figure it out where such wine came from even though the servants knew. And he called over the bridegroom in amazement. And he says in verse 10, This wine is delectable. Why would you save it the most? Why would you save the most exquisite fruit of the vine? Why would you do that? A host would generally serve the good wine first. And when his his inebriated guest don't notice or care he would serve the inferior wine. You have held back the best, oh, I love this, for last. Verse 11, Jesus performed this miracle, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. They did not know how this happened, but when the disciples And the servants, I love this, witnessed this miracle. Their faith thrived. You see, my listeners, the aroma and the anointing of the bridegroom, the beloved, our Jesus Christ, is better than wine. Well, that will do it for this segment. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just lift up each and every listener at this podcast, right this very moment, that they would know about the kiss is better than the wine. But the wine, the wine, Father God, the new wine, that the kiss produces. Father God is you. I just pray right now that these listeners seek you with all their heart, Father God, wherever they are, wherever they are, Father God. I pray right now that you would touch them, touch them in a way that they have never been touched before. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would that they would know you, that they would understand their purpose, that they would understand why they're created, that they would understand that you have all the answers for everything that they need. 
And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Bless them, Lord. If you've enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends. They can subscribe at Fill the Lamp. All one word, Fill the Lamp at yahoo.com. Send your email and we will get it out to you as quickly as possible. So on that next time, I'm Neil Parks.